brand new series called Jonah, A Big God Story. Now, as we've been talking about, when you think of Jonah, we all think of the fish, right? We think of the whale. But really, the book of Jonah has more to do with God than it does a fish. God is mentioned over and over and over and over. In fact, let me just go through real quickly through the book of Jonah, and let me tell you how many times God is mentioned. In Jonah 1.1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. We saw that with redneck Joe. No. Um, Jonah 1.4, and the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea. Jonah 1.17, and the Lord appointed a great fish. 2.10, the Lord commanded the fish. Uh, this is in uh, 3.10, when God saw their deeds. Jonah 4.6, then the Lord God appointed a plant. Uh, verse 8 of chapter 4, then it came about when the sun came up that God appointed a scorching east wind. Verse 7, then God appointed a worm. Uh, and then verse 10, then the Lord said. Now, we're going to be in the book of Jonah. Now, just to let you know, Jonah is in the Old Testament. So you may want to go ahead and start flipping there if you can. Jonah only has four chapters, so it's very small. If you have problems finding Jonah, um, it's right after Obadiah and it's before Micah. How's that help? You know what? There's no shame to going to your table of contents, all right? So you can go to your table of contents and you can figure out, okay, where's Jonah at? And then from there, you can turn to Jonah, and we're going to be there. Jonah, we're only going to be looking at three verses today. Let me get to Jonah. Hang on a second. Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah. Hang on a second. I'm not. Jonah. All right. <laughs> anyway, thanks for nothing. All right. Today, we're going to be talking about the Jonah, and the title of this message is really the Jonah in me, because all of us probably know the story of Jonah, and if you don't, when I start telling it, you will, because it's very, very popular, but really, Jonah is all of us. I mean, I could have started this message today saying, hello, my name is Jonah, because there's been, there's been times in my life that I've run away from the Lord. It's not about a whale, it's about a big God. God is in the beginning, God's at the end, and God's all in it. So let me give you a couple of, just a little bit of background. Jonah is a prophet in Israel. Now, Israel is God's people. So God in Israelites, those are God's people. Jonah is an Israelite, and jo God tells Jonah, I want you to go, and I want you to tell your enemies about God. And Jonah really doesn't like that idea. We're going to find out a little bit later the reason why he doesn't. But Jonah doesn't want to go to his enemies to tell them about God. For a lot of different reasons, really one of the biggest ones is he has two friends, Jonah. His, their names are Amos and Hosea. These are also prophets in Israel. And God is telling uh, Amos and Hosea that unless Israel, God's people, unless they shape up, then God is going to use their enemies to come and destroy Israel and judge and discipline Israel. So Jonah's thinking, okay, my two buddies out there are saying if, if, they, if my people don't shape up, then the Assyrians, these enemies are going to come and they're going to discipline us. So if I don't tell them about Jesus, then maybe they'll just go to hell. Maybe they will be totally destroyed and guess what? Then they can't judge us. 
they can't judge us. By the way, just a little quick history lesson. The, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. Nineveh is the, is the capital of Assyria. Now, today, we don't know it as Assyria. We know it as Iraq. And Nineveh is not called Nineveh anymore. It's called Mosul. In fact, the 101st have been stationed at Mosul. It would be almost like God telling Jonah to go to the Ninevites to tell them, hey, you need to shape up because God's going to, you know, God's, he's giving you 40 days of grace. you got 40 days to change. It'd be almost like telling a Jew, why don't you go tell the, in, in Nazi Germany, why don't you go tell the Germans to stop it or God's going to judge them. Or it'd almost be like telling a 9-11 victim, hey, I want you to travel over to Iraq and tell them that God loves them. It's kind of radical. It's kind of radical. Hello, it's a collect call from God. <laughs> All right, so let's get. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says this. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Excuse me. Still in my throat. All right, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction in order to get away from the Lord. We'll stop right there. So the Bible says that Jonah left and went the opposite direction trying to get away from the Lord. Now, why did Jonah run? Well, Jonah heard those other two preachers, hey, get right. If you don't, God's going to use your enemies. And he's saying, I'm not going to do that. So he decides to run. He decides to run. In fact, if you look at chapter 3, verse 4, we look at Jonah's message that he's going to be telling the Ninevites. Chapter 3, verse 4 says this, Forty days from now, and Nineveh will be destroyed. So Jonah eventually goes. We're going to look at that a little bit later. But he says, I want you to go, and I want you to preach just a very short message. In fact, in the original language, it's only five words, a five-word message. If y'all came and heard a five-word sermon, what would y'all do? You'd shout, Amen, right? And praise Jesus. That was a great church service. All right? I mean, five words. That's it. That's all he did. So, 40 days and Nineveh's going to be gone. That's what, he's, that's what he's telling them to say. God is giving the Assyrians, these enemies, 40 days to get right. And really, the entire book of Jonah is really a picture of us. Jonah runs away from the Lord, and we sin, and we choose to go our own way. And what happens? God comes after Jonah. That's grace. So there's sin and there's grace. There's where we've messed up and it's where God pursues us. So God is saying, listen, I want you to go to Nineveh because you know what? They're doing some bad things. But here's the thing. God's people, the Israelites, are doing some bad things as well. And you need to stop it. And that really leads us to our first point, and that's this. Our first principle is God will often ask you to do things that you don't want to do. Many times, God asks you to do some things that, quite frankly, you don't want to do. Has God ever asked you to do something a little weird, a little crazy, a little out there? All right? I, that's happened to me. In fact, it happened to one uh, person. I, I don't know if you all ever heard of the lady by the name of Beth Moore. Beth Moore is a wonderful, fantastic Bible teacher. Um, and she primarily teaches the women. However, every time she's in town, I usually go to the women's conference. And you need to know this. I am the ugliest woman you will ever see. 
You ever see a, a pastor dr- dressed up in drag? You'll know at a w- women's conference, you know that's crap. All right. But, uh, yeah, send your emails. Just send them. It's fine. So send them to Josh at exitonechurch.org. All right. Anyway. But anyway, Beth Moore is telling the story. Now, she's traveling all over the country, and she is at the Dallas-Fort Worth airport, and she's sitting down there. She has her Bible open. She's waiting to get on the plane in the concourse, and she sees this guy. This dude comes up and wheels this guy in a wheelchair. Old fella. Um, His hair is all matted and tangly and long, and it's just nasty. And his emaciated frame, and he's kind of hunched over, and everybody's kind of looking. You know, is he alive? Is he dead? And uh, Beth Moore, as she's writing this, she said, I'm sitting here memorizing verses and stuff, and I could just feel the Lord saying, go and get up and go to that man. And, and Beth Moore said, I am not witnessing to that person. That dude looks freaky. And uh, God says, listen, I don't want you to witness to him. I want you to brush his hair. I want you to brush his, come on, God, what in the world are you thinking? I want you to brush his hair. So she's just, and she said, okay, I, you know, I'm just going to put it out, I'm just going to keep on reading, and she just couldn't. She said, okay, fine. I'm going to do, I feel like this is something so strange and out there that you have to be telling me to do it. So she goes up to the old man, and she, she goes to him, and she says, excuse me, sir, uh, do you mind if I brush your hair? And he says, you'll have to speak up, Missy. I can't hear you. Great. Excuse me, do you mind if I brush your hair? And the guy starts tearing up. She says, I would love for you to brush my hair. And uh, find out as they're talking, as she's searching for a, a, a hairbrush in his bag, she gets it out and she starts trying to get the tangled mess out. He starts weeping. He says, you need to know I, I'm... Uh, I had a heart problem and a heart surgery, and I was uh, I was uh, shipped to DFW, and that's where they had the, the open heart surgery and this transplant. And my wife could not make the trip with me, so she's at home and she's in Cleveland, and uh, and because she, she's sick, and uh, I'm getting ready to be put on this plane, and I look awful. I know that, and nobody's dressed me up. Nobody, I got this tangled mess, and I want to see my bride, and I don't want her to see me. So as she's getting the last tangle out, Beth asks her, do you know about Jesus? And he wipes the tears away from her. He says, oh, yes. He says, I, when I started wanting to date my wife, she was a Christ follower, and I couldn't date her until I became a Christ follower. So, yes, I know a lot about Jesus. And, uh, and right there, and she went back to her seat, and something that was very strange, very weird to her, God had already planned because God knew that his bride was waiting in Cleveland, waiting for her husband to come home. And he didn't want to look that way. You see, sometimes God asks us to do things that, quite frankly, we just don't want to do because they don't make any sense to us. It's not very logical. Not very logical at all. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he didn't want these Ninevites to judge Israel. He didn't want them to be alive so that they can come over and conquer Israel. Because Israel was wicked too. And that leads us to our second principle, and that's this. God dislikes sin. God dislikes sin, whether it's the sinners, the Ninevites, or whether it's among his people, the Israelites. See, sin is sin. We categorize sin, don't we? 
Uh, we have big sin, little sin, white sin, black sin, low crime, high crime. We sugarcoat sin. You know, a liar is not a liar. He's a perjurer. A homosexual is somebody with an alternative lifestyle. No, it's all sin. And God will discipline both the sin of a Christ follower as well as somebody who does not know Christ because sin is sin. He is holy, and he can't stand both. God doesn't play this little game of big sin, little sin. You know, Christ died on the cross for the sin of you going two miles over the speed limit, just like he died on the cross for somebody who's committed murder. Because sin is sin in his book. So verse 2, chapter 1 of Jonah, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people is. God is saying, I've had it up to here. I have spent the past three days in St. Louis with my beautiful wife and two of three of my children. Um, driving, you know, five hours there and uh, going to the zoo, very fun, it was good. And then going home, we went, uh, then we went to a hotel that night and, you know, Jed is having the projectile vomit stuff going on. It's wonderful. Don't you love that sermons don't have the smell of vision <laughs> Right. I mean, but, and then on the way back, I mean, they're really good kids. But after a while, when you spend that much time and you get them together, it's kind of like having... Um, fertilizer and gasoline it just kind of explodes and um, and you know and it just it's just like I've had it up to here I couldn't wait to get home they couldn't wait to get home and uh, it's like Popeye's I had all I can stand and I can't stand no more that's how God was here God saying listen I've seen the Ninevites and they are wicked I, I, and I, I just I can't stand it anymore this city in order for its entertainment, they didn't go to the movies, they didn't go to The Great Escape, they didn't go to plays. One of the things they got their kicks is they loved killing people. Um, they got high on killing people. In other words, if to have a good time with them is let's get out, let's get out with our buddies, and let's see who's going to die tonight. That's how they got their kicks. Um, Nineveh was the capital of one of the most cruelest, vilest, and most powerful, most idolatrous uh, empires on earth. They just had all this stuff. I came across some interesting facts about the Ninevites. As I read this, you're going to see some pictures of the Ninevites and the Assyrians and just how mean they were. And uh, this is from a, a thing in Jerusalem. Let me read this while this is going. In the midst, this is what the Ninevites are saying, in the midst of the mighty mountains, I slaughtered them. With their blood, I dyed the mountains red like wool. The heads of their warriors, I cut off. I formed them into a pillar against the city. Their young men and their maidens I burned with fire. You see that? Look at that picture. Let's go back, if you would. I mean, this is where they're taking stakes and they're impaling people. These people aren't very nice. Not nice people at all. Again, uh, one of the captured leaders, he writes this, um, this king of, of Nineveh. I flayed him and his skin spread upon the wall of the city. A pyramid of heads I reared in front of the city. I cut their throats like lambs. I'm going to stop there. I mean, it's just, it's just nasty. It keeps on going worse and worse and worse and worse. I stripped off their skins and covered the city with the walls. I mean, that's nasty stuff. These people were mean. So God <coughs> tells Jonah, I want you to go to these really mean, murderous, violent people. <laughs> and Jonah's going, uh-uh. I ain't going. 
And he's thinking this, you know what, if I go and I preach a really good sermon and they turn, they stop doing what they're doing, then God can use them to judge Israel. And if I go and if I preach and they don't turn, <laughs> they're going to turn me into soup. They're going to absolutely slaughter me. Look at verses 1 through 3 again. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce the judgment against it because of how wicked they are. But Jonah got up and went the opposite direction. The opposite direction in order to get away from who? The Lord. Now, again, Jonah's no dummy. He's thinking, I'm either, they're going to get saved and they're going to conquer my own people and my family, or they're not, and I'm going to be conquered. My skin is going to be up against the wall. So what does he do? He tries to run away from God. Again, I don't think Jonah's a dummy here. There's really not a way that you can run away from the God, run away from God. In fact, look at Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. Just follow me on this one. Jonah knows these verses. I'm getting ready to read to you. He says this, where can I go to escape from you? Now let's answer that. Where can you go to escape from God? Nowhere. Good. All right, let's keep on reading. Uh, where can I get away from your presence? Let's answer it. Nowhere, all right? If I went up to heaven, you're going to be there. If I lay down in the world of the dead, uh, creepy, but you're going to be there, all right? If I flew away beyond the east or lived in the farthest place in the west, you would be there to lead me. You would be there to help me. Jonah's thinking, you know, I know God's everywhere. Um. But I don't think that's the reason why. I think he's thinking this. If I run from God, then God's going to use somebody else. <laughs> if I run far away from God, then God will find somebody else to use, and it won't be moi. It won't be me, because I'm, I'm out of there. I'm history. So he flees in what direction? The opposite direction we're going to talk about that in a sec Let, let's but it, before we get there let's go to our, our our third principle is this follow me on this one if you run from what god wants you to do when you come to your senses you will change not god listen to that if god is telling you to do something whatever it is and many of us we know stuff he wants us to do but we choose to, we say going, uh-uh, I'm not going there. When you come to your senses, you're going to have to change. God will not change. Look at verses uh, Jonah 1, 1 through 3. Let's look at this, and we're going to compare it two chapters later. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. Now look at verse 3. But Jonah got up and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. All right? So he leaves. He goes the other way. Now look at chapter 3, verse 1. When the Lord spoke to Jonah a what? Dose. Alright? Dead. You French. Sorry. Um, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and he went to Nineveh. So who changed? God or Jonah? You betcha. Jonah changed. God did not change. You, and here's the thing. You might as well do what God tells you to do the first time because if you do it the first time, you're going to save yourself some headaches. You're going to save yourself a trip from being from riding in a whale, Ugh. go get there. That's some nasty stuff. All right, Jonah ran thinking he could get away from the job, and God's going, uh, uh. no, I appointed you 
just like I appointed the fish, we're going to find out, and I appointed a great storm, and I appointed uh, a plant, we're going to look at, I appointed a worm, I appointed the east. He appoints all this stuff because God is in control. God is in control of everything, of everything. And I know some of us, there's some of us in here, we've been running from God for years now. Guess what? When you finally come to your senses and you stop running the direction you're running and you stop and you turn around, you're going to have to go back. You're going to have to go back. You're going to have to go back. God says, I don't want you to marry somebody who doesn't love me. I don't want you to marry a Christ. I, I don't want you to marry somebody who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. And he and you say, but he's so good looking. Have you seen him in those jeans? And God's saying, yeah, I have. <sighs> but he's just fine. He's so fine, he blows my mind. All right? And God's saying, listen. You don't seem to understand. There are rules here, and I didn't create these rules so that you would not have a good time. I want you to have a good time. I created these rules so that you would be protected. And you say, eh, what do you know? You're God. And you start running another direction, and you marry him. And he doesn't have a relationship with Christ. You think you can change him. And one of the things I found out, can you change anybody? Nope. All right, some of you are saying that by experience, aren't you? And once your marriage falls apart and you have three kids and he's walked out, you stop and you say, okay, God, here I am. And you can start following him again. You can start following him again. But God says, listen, I don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Or we say, you know what? You start running this direction, but you know what? I'm dating this person and we have these feelings and we have these urges. All right, all these urges. And uh, I know what God says about doing it, but, uh, but, I, but I love her. And I feel so good when I'm with her. And God's saying, don't do it. Don't do it. And five years down the road, when you're going to the doctor because of all kinds of stuff and diseases, and you're struggling with your self-esteem, and you're not knowing why, God's saying, listen, I tried to warn you. Come back to me. Come back to me. Some of us have Ninevehs in our life, those big, hairy, nasty things in our lives that God said, listen, I want you to work on this, but you're going, uh-uh. Some of it, it may be your finances. Some of it, it may just be building your relationship with your, with your spouse and your children again, just rebuilding that. And you choose, God said, you need to do that, and you're going, I ain't doing it. I'm not doing it. God wants to get your attention. And this leads us to our fourth and final principle is this. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. And what did Jonah do? He went in the opposite direction because you can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. You can always. You don't have to have to, Lord, okay, if you really want me to do this, then um, if you don't want me to do this, then provide a boat going this way. And he's going, no, I've already told you this way. But you're always going to find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. Verse, uh, in the verse, uh, chapter, th- uh, chapter 1, verse 3, it says this. He went in the opposite direction, and he got on a boat. Let's look at this. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. All right, Tarshish. Everybody say that word, Tarshish. 
A lot of people, they don't really quite know how to say that word. And to Tarsius, it's kind of, a, kind of a fun word to say, you know. So, now, I want you to say Tarsius like you were mad at somebody. All right, ready? Tarsius! All right, good. That's good. Now, here's, here's the last way I want you to say it. I want you to say it like a pirate. A pirate that rolls its R's kind of with a lisp. All right? You ready? Tarsius! All right, wonderful, wonderful. Right, that's some, I don't know where I'm going with any of that. All right, but he's going and he's leaving for Tarsius. And he goes down to Joppa and he buys a ticket and he gets on board hoping to what? Escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarsius. Very good, wonderful. All right, fantastic. Now let's, let's talk about this. He, God says to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Let's go up and put up the slide if we could. This is some cool stuff. All right, so Nineveh is 550 miles that way. All right? So he says, I want you to go to Nineveh, which is 550 miles this way. Jonah goes, uh-uh, I ain't doing that. So he goes down to Joppa, and he gets on a boat sailing to Tarshish, which is in Spain, by the way. In fact, at that point, they, I mean, there wasn't any maps after Tarshish. It was the end of the world. All right? So he, instead of going 550 miles this way, he chooses to go 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. Seriously. 2,000 says, I'm not going to 550 I'm going 2,500 miles the other way. 2,500. So he goes down to Joppa. Let's do a little math here. I'm not good at math. So he, instead of going 550, he went 2,500 miles out of God's will. But he had to go down to Joppa, which was another 35 miles. So by my estimation, he's 3,085 miles going the opposite direction of where God wants him to go. And... Uh, that's where, that's where we leave him today. He's saying, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go. I'm going to go the totally opposite direction. I'd rather be 2,500 miles away from what you want to do than to be inconvenienced going 550 miles that way. And he says, not me. Not on your life. Here's the thing, though. If he would have obeyed God the first time, if he would have surrendered to God the first time, it would have saved him a lot of heartache because next week we're going to see some crazy, crazy stuff. What happens to my boy Joe, Redneck Joe? All right? Because he decides to go the, five, the 2,500 miles, and God says, you know what? I love you, Jonah. And I love you so much that I'm going to come after you. I'm going to come after you. You know, there are some of you here today that you've not been to church in years. Years. And I've got to be honest with you, you know, sometimes the church thing can be a little scary and you get around people that you're just like, do these people even have a life because they have those fake smiles on and this? And You've just been out of church in such a long, long time. And you're thinking... I'm back, and I, I just don't know. God's saying, listen, I'm coming after you. I love you so much. I've been pursuing you. 
I'm coming after you because all of us in here, myself included, all of us have ran from God. All of us have. Now, you may be still 2,500 miles running to Tarshish, but know this, God's coming after you because He loves you. It's not something that's like, ooh, God's coming. It's not that. God loves you so much that He wants you He wants you to spend eternity with Him. So how we're going to do this is uh, because all of us have been there. I am Jonah. And I have a Jonah story. And you have a Jonah story. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to go to our website. Uh, It's on the screen behind me. And uh, it's it's just exitonechurch.org and then front slash my Jonah story. You can go to our website, and it's on the front page. You can click on it. What I'm asking you to do is this. I want you to share with us your Jonah story. Has there ever been a time when God told you to do one thing, and you did the opposite thing? What happened? And how has he loved you so much that he's brought you back? And uh, we're going to be sharing some of those stories. In fact, you're going to see one of the stories at the end uh, of the service today. But there's a place on there that you can say, you know what, I don't want you to share my name, and you can click that. Or, yeah, I don't mind you sharing my name. Or, I don't want this story shared at all. But I just I want to get it off my chest. I just want to tell somebody. And that's fine. You're welcome to do that. But I want you to know you're not alone. You're not alone. Because all of us have one of those Jonah stories. And what God is saying is, I want you to come back. I want you to come back. Because He loves you that much. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you do love us. And that you love us so much that even when we run from you, you come after us. You're there. And Lord, uh, your word says in Romans, Lord, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were running the opposite direction, you died for us. So, Lord, I I pray. Lord, some of us are on the way back. We're coming back. Some of us are at at that port, and we're getting ready to buy the ticket, and we're getting ready to go 2,500 miles the opposite way. And, Lord, I pray that all of us in here will know that God loves us and that God loves us too much to keep us running from you. Lord, I pray that as we continue to watch and listen to all of our Jonah stories, that we would be able to be changed especially as we share our own. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.